Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and joining me, as ever, is Mr. Marek Larwood. Oh, right. There we are. How are you doing, Marek? Well... Regular listeners will know, first of all, that I'm Marek Larwood and that last week I purposely brought up the fact that I was not comfortable with David using, as ever, in the introduction. Yeah. When you emphasised it then. Well, you know, don't if it ain't bust, don't fix it, you know. People expect this, it's part of their routine. We don't know how many millions of people we're hurting by changing our routines. <laughs> What, why don't you send in a recording of introduction? What, someone else introduced the show? Why don't you record the entire show and we'll just release that? <laughs> Weird. No, I don't want people sending in their introductions. How have you been? I've been all right, Marek. Yes, I've been very well. I've been very well. Um, I did my new uh, podcast recording. Yes, yeah, so... Inside the Comedian. So regular listeners can look up it's called Inside the Comedian. It's not been released yet, so okay. um, we're going to record several. Uh, the next one is on the 18th of April. Um, and you put your finger up, up other comedians' assholes? No, I think you've Googled the wrong thing there. That's, that's what? something else. That's something else. That's not me. Oh, right. No. Yeah, yeah, that's something. Well, that would be quite good, that? putting your finger up them and then talking to them. And, uh, about a, while, they with slowly your rotate. Why they've got your finger up their ass. I mean, it would make for a different interview, wouldn't it? Who would you interview if you uh, did that? Someone dead. Somebody dead. So, like, Richard Pryor. That would be a good one to get. Lenny Bruce. They would be good ones to get, they yeah. Would be, yeah, I mean, it would be quite hard to get the estate of Lenny Bruce to agree to that, probably. Dear Miss <laughs> Mrs. Bruce, I have a strange and unusual request. <laughs> I wish to exhume your grandfather. For what... <laughs> You may want to listen to a couple of back episodes, first of all, just, <laughs> just to see. It is legit. Um, we have over 12 listeners. So if you don't put your finger up people's backsides... Yeah. Uh, no, I, uh, it's a spoof interview show with comedians talking earnestly about their lives, only it's all made up. So it, it went very well. Michael Legg and Tom Bell were on it. Oh, very good. And uh, the next one's got Justin Edwards. But anyway. Did uh, you give them their characters? Or did you... No, they're playing themselves. They're playing themselves. So versions oh, okay. of themselves is the idea. 
but they're not allowed to tell the truth. Okay. That was lots of fun. Um, before we start, we should say that we are this week sponsored by HerFilmProject.com, which is uh, a website uh, and organisation dedicated to uh, improving equality in filmmaking. So if you're interested in that, if you're trying to get a film made or you are just a film lover and you're interested in the work they do, then go to HerFilmProject.com or follow at HerFilmProject.com on Twitter and find out more about them. I've been to the cinema, Merrick, and... Oh, what are you? Oh, I like the cinema. It's a good place, isn't it? Which one did you go to this time? Picture House Central, again. Uh, it's it's a goodie. I like it. Although they're closing for a month for some advertising awards or something. Oh, you're joking. No, but they give us free tickets um, for when they open again. Uh, for the inconvenience. Oh, that's very good. good. Uh, what did you go and see? I went to see Kong colon Skull Island. Kong's colon. Kong's colon. I mean, Skull if Island. you're going to interview a comedian with King Kong, you could probably put your whole arm up there. I mean, with this one, he's particularly large. You could you could just live in there. He's probably got an anus like a sleeping bag. That does sound nice. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? No need for an electric blanket. No little drawstring. Although, if he does need a dump in the night, that's not going to be pleasant. That is... Um, yeah, that's a good insult, isn't it? Yeah. You've got an anus like a sleeping bag. <laughs> it's pretty good. So, Kong Skull Island is a starting over again with another King Kong film. But rather than telling the traditional one, as in a direct remake of the original... Which is, they go to the island, they discover Kong, they bring him back to New York... Uh, as a sort of trophy prize, and then he escapes, and they end up getting killed after climbing the Empire State Building, uh, carrying a little lady. Yeah. Um, Well, this one is set entirely, exclusively on the island, and so the idea being they're probably going to draw out that story over three films or something. They're desperate for a franchise, but that, that doesn't matter. This film stars Tom Hiddleston, everyone's oh, no. favourite. I mean, he's really hated, isn't he, Tom Hiddleston? Yeah, yeah. I'm, but hated and also uh, people are fascinated by him. I In our industry, of which I'm now only on the fringes of, um, there are certain people that get slagged off yes. as being hated by, universally. Yes. One is James Corden. Sure. And the other one, when I did a couple of plays, the people who went to drum school with Tom Hiddleston, right? And everyone says he's a total knob. Well, there's there's even the term Hiddlesplaining now, which, which is, is there's a there's a, a video of him talking about mining for parts. Have you seen that bit on YouTube of how he get how acting like being a miner or something? Yeah, yeah, very odd. Look, uh, I mean, there's so many uh, Tom Hiddleston anecdotes if you know the right people. One I heard recently was uh, him saying sort of to a room full of actors, um, what was it? He said, Eton, Rada, um, The West End, Hollywood. If I can do it, so can you. To a room full of people who, some of them are women, and uh, so couldn't have gone to Eton, and all of them are past school age, so we haven't gone to Eton, and none of them are at RADA. So it's just like, what are you doing, mate? You yeah. weirdo. Anyway, anyway, Tom Hiddleston is in this film, as is Brie Larson um, and Samuel L. Jackson, John Goodman, uh, John C. Riley. It's a good I cast. I think three of those are good. I don't really like Samuel L. Jackson anymore. Do you not? He plays the same thing. 
But I really like John C. Riley, uh, Brie Larson, and, and John Goodman. And John Goodman. Well, they are all excellent in this. John Goodman is playing the head of uh, Monarch, which is an organisation, a sort of uh, not very cool government organisation for finding. Uh, it's basically like the X Files. It's this little department that everyone laughs at, and he is trying to find proof of sort of prehistoric monster-sized creatures on Earth. Um, and he thinks he's found them on Skull Island, so he leads an expedition. Jurassic Park. With it monkeys. is very. It is very Jurassic Park with a monkey, a singular monkey. I mean, it got me that hard to find King Kong, can it? Well, he's on an island with a unique uh, climate, in that it's always surrounded by a, a swirling sort of bank of. Oh, that means storms, they can't use any phones or electrical equipment. Doesn't work. Which probably. always it's always great. Okay. Um, and but they take a military escort with them, headed up by Samuel L. Jackson, who. Uh, it's it's set in the seventies, I think. Yes, and uh, maybe early eighties, but I think it's late seventies. And he is sort of he's got PTSD. Basically, he didn't want to leave Vietnam because they didn't achieve anything. Post traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, yeah. He that's the one. Um, he so he's basically going nuts. And Brie Larson is a uh, war journalist who's there taken along to get proof that Kong exists, and Tom Hiddleston is a man. I well, mean, they don't fall in love, do they? Uh, no, no, not well, not really. I mean, you can't really fall in love with a desk. I mean... He's <laughs> not very good, isn't it? Tom Hiddleston is not only not really believable as a tracker, which is what they say he is, he's not really believable as a man with a job. Like he, everyone else is playing the part they're playing, and he could have been superimposed on top of this film. Okay. He, he is so not in the environment that he's standing in, and he's always standing like a model. And like it's, he's a very, very odd person, very odd. And this story isn't even about his character, even though he is, you know, in the role that normally would be the lead. The prologue is about a young John C. Riley. 20 minutes into the film, they bump into John C. Riley, who's been marooned on Skull Island uh, since the end of the Second World War. Oh, blimey. And the epilogue is about John C. Riley, And he has the entire emotional arc of the film. He's the only one uh, doing any uh, jokes that land and making us laugh. He is doing so much heavy lifting in this film. Uh, whilst John Goodman is slightly wasted, uh, Brie Larson's doing good work. She's very likable and good in it. Not given much to do, but she's you know she's good. And Samuel L. Jackson is basically playing Same Samuel part, L. Jackson. Um, I've heard good things about it though, but he's not good then. I wouldn't say it's not good. There's there's some very likable bits. The the gorilla, the gorilla Kong is done really really well. You know, again. Um, I think he they've they've worked out how to do that though, haven't they? I mean, I thought Kong that Andy Serkis did in the Peter Jackson one was really good, but the film was duff. Well, I, I started watching by accident yesterday on film four, just the end bit of the nineteen seventy six version. Oh yeah, is that Jeff Bridges in? Yeah, that well, one? Jeff Bridges, well, he looks so young, he hasn't really grown to his face yet. Yeah, yeah. And Jessica Lang was in it, who who now 
you know, she's won. But then at the time, she was picked to be a model to be in that one and was really slated as this sort of really rubbish actress. But now and she she's went on to brilliant. be an Oscar winning yeah, yeah. actress later on. But it, and the Kong there looks like a. It still looks like the, the previous really old Kong. It doesn't look great. Right, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Uh, the sort of stop motion Kong. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's loads, there's loads of stuff to like about this. They, they are more ambitious with that sort of embracing the era it's set in. So, um, so it's, it all feels very Vietnam War film at times. You know, they've got a load of helicopters and squaddies who are all a bit, you know, like jaded and pissed off. Like and if if you think the he had one one last uh, day until retirement is overused, every single squaddy is about to go home and get oh, really? dragged for one last uh, job to Skull Island. It does not go well for them. Um, there's some really fun uh, monster stuff in it. Kong is done really uh, well and very characterful and good without it being silly. This I was. And John C. Riley, as I say, is great fun, and he's really, really good. There, there's just something up, and it's it, it's it's definitely a Tom Hiddleston shaped fuck up. And also, this I was surprised when uh, the credits rolled. I was like, oh, that that's it. Oh, really? That's the end. Like nothing happened. Like uh, okay. Like it's it. It's got some real structural problems towards the end, but there's, 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 it's a fun enough ride, and that's all it is, you know. But it felt like so many films these days, big films these days, that it's holding back ideas it's had for the next film, mm. and it's because this, I don't know if you're aware, but it's the same studio that did that Godzilla film with Brian Cranston in it, yeah. And they're going to, they're aiming towards a Kong, that was versus, really boring. Kong versus Godzilla yeah. thing. And so it feels actually like they try and do as little as possible in terms of story. Um, do you think, sorry to go off uh, on right. a tangent, the original King Kong was made in 1933. Yes. The classic that everyone's, I mean, I can't really, I, I sort of can remember bits of it, um, seeing when I was a kid when it was on TV. Do you think that it should always be set in the 1930s? Because the 1970s is too... Once you've done that, the whole idea is that there's an island that's not been discovered with a massive monkey. Yeah, it's monkey a bit daft, it. isn't it? And also everyone, um, everyone's got machine, everyone's got weaponry. And- well, because the 1930s, you know, it's still the era of, um, you know, we of explorers and uncharted territory and the only way to find stuff is to send a, a bunch of very vulnerable people into the unknown. This starts with satellite photography. And so you're like, well, just do some more of that. Do some more satellite photography yeah. and you'll see what's there. You know, they they had they had heat cameras and stuff by that point. You can see what... I think it would be much better if it was set in the... Th- you're right, it, earlier. it's slightly unbelievable with all of that stuff. I don't really mind, I, but I, I think it did need to be set in the past like it was rather than in the present because then yeah. it would be totally laughable that you'd just send blokes in and, you know... Uh, it didn't really make much sense. It it was it was fun enough, you know, but I think um, there's some ludicrous bits. Um, How many Davies do you give it? That's difficult because I thought it was fine. I think I don't know six. Seven point one on IMDb. Yeah, I think that's, that's a score generous. Six, Sixty-two. Yeah, I. You know what? As well. You know when the films are set in the seventies and they they uh, so they play a seventies soundtrack all the time. 
this felt like someone had just got the best of the 70s from a car boot sale. Because yeah. it was all the so- songs you see in every single film. You know, just go, Well, I see a bad moon rising. Oh, it's all okay. of that. It's because those people are going through the jungle. It's like, haven't I seen this film a thousand times before? It, it's odd, we've spoken about before, when everyone, when everyone predates films. Yeah. They always wear clothes of that. Everyone wears clothes of that exact year. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Not two years beforehand. Exactly. So, uh, they don't still have a hat every, from the sixties. Everyone in nineteen seventy-one. Do you know it's nineteen seventy-four? Burn that, burn that wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. get, you get the latest clothes right now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Uh, you know, it, it's quite fun. And um, if you like a monster movie, it, it's there's a, there's plenty of monster battles. Is there more than just one big monkey? Uh, no, well, the whole thing about King Kong is he's the last of his kind. Um, uh, but uh, the thing everyone forgets about the original is there are dinosaurs in it. So oh, the course, dinosaurs yeah. are the baddies, really, and Kong is sort of like uh, the uh, the benevolent monster. Poor King Kong. I know. So they're not dinosaurs. They're just sort of weird lizard things in this. Uh, bum, bum lizards. Bum lizards, yes. They crawl up your anus and then grow to enormous size. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just like, shoom. That would be good. And you're, you're scattered over the landscape. Wow. <laughs> That's not really what they do. I would like to go and watch bum lizards. I mean, that would be a hell of a way to go. You're just a small little lizard. <sighs> your last memories would be, hey, Your last moments would be... Oh, oh, would be rather uncomfortable and then suddenly... Oh, it just automatically doesn't it, it, it doesn't grow over a period of I time. I mean, that's even worse. If it grew over like four years, <laughs> I think over t- good over ten minutes, you feel it's swelling oh, up. Oh god! It, it starts swelling up slightly, and the last when it explodes, it just goes poof. Like you need it for the impact. Has a growth explosion. spurt yeah. at the end. The yeah. Explosion shot would be good. It would be good. Well, maybe they'll do Kong colon bum lizards for the next one. Yeah. You want to put a plaster on that asshole? <laughs> Is that Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah, that's him saying. He comes in. He makes everyone put wear butt, butt plugs to stop the bomb lizards crawling out. I'm sick of these motherfucking bomb lizards in my motherfucking bomb. That's what he'd say. Um, well, that's the sort of quality you can expect from this podcast. <laughs> I tell you what, though. What? It's time. Yeah. For this. This is from Tyler Rundy about hidden figures. He says, Hello, film fandanglers. I wouldn't go out of your way to watch hidden figures. It is probably worth watching if you're interested in the subjects, but the film falls fairly deep into the trappings of Q Surging Orchestra, uplifting Hollywood biopic trademark. Stretched thin across many storylines, caricatures instead of characters, grasping for heartstrings rather than developing a deeper narrative. However, I am a sucker for space uh, race stories, and despite the -the by-the-numbers approach, I enjoyed the film enough throughout. Afterwards, I researched the actual history and was left a bit disappointed. 
the accomplishments of, uh, are there in the film fairly true to form. The obstacles, not so much. What we get in the film is a representation of what black women in the southern US dealt with at that time in general, rather than what those three dealt with personally. And the real Katherine Johnson, the film's main protagonist, and amazingly still alive, 98 years old, says she enjoyed the movie, thought it was true of the times, but when asked if she ever felt that at that atmosphere at NASA, responded, I didn't feel any segregation. I know it was there, but I didn't feel it. So that's what we get. Amazing individuals that accomplished amazing things despite very real racism that did not manifest itself in the ways the film portrays. I was prepared to give Hidden Figures a serviceable and enjoyable 7 out of 10 Tylers, but can't help feeling a bit betrayed and thus settle on a score of 6. Thanks for reading my long letter. Have you ever felt betrayed by a based on a true story story? I always think of what that Will Smith movie, Pursuit of Happiness, where I learned afterwards that the actual man never did the Rubik's Cube thing and had no interest in taking care of his son. So not only did I suffer through a terrible movie, I supported the propagandizing of a terrible arsehole. <laughs> Keep watching the films, Tyler. Um, I've not seen Hidden Figures. I have heard that criticism uh, levied at it Oscar before. nominated. Yes. And, you know... Um, I would have thought a very interesting story to tell about black women working in NASA at that time. But yeah, if it's just making up the problems they face, that does seem a little odd. Based on a true story, is always dodgy. Well, Fargo started the trend of just lying openly, didn't they? Because oh, really? Yeah, yeah. it sort of. It says at the beginning, uh, "This is yeah. based on true events." It's not. They just wrote the whole thing. Um, uh, the Patriot is one. Uh, that Mel Gibson film about the American Civil War where apparently the man it's based on uh, was a rapist and a oh, really? yeah, complete horrible arsehole. My, one of my least favourite films, Wolf Creek, is based on a true story. So it's, a horror, it's a horror film set in Australia about uh, three backpackers that go missing and oh, it's yeah. a really gore, horrible slasher film. The only thing that's true about it is three of them went out there and they found a bloke at the end. The whole entire middle bit is entirely made up. Right. So it's like just drew someone putting a plate on a table and at the end someone does some washing up. And you can, anything in the middle. And in the middle they find a, a hidden realm. Yeah. <laughs> Inside a wardrobe. It's based on a blink true story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I would say, you know, don't get your education from, from films, maybe. Do you think they should put a percentage on a percentage of true things. Yeah, this is thirty-four percent based. I think that'd be on very tree. hard to measure. But you could you could have roughly thirty yeah, percent, yeah. and you'd have someone go well, hear the facts, and you send it to a guy, maybe someone like me, who research it, look at the film, and they say, "Well, that is forty-two percent true." So it needs to be scientifically proven fact. Well, you just go. Someone give. A I rough, don't think the, Chris, the Christian films community would enjoy that rating. Someone gives system. a rough, rough percentage. Rough percentage. Yeah. Someone who, with a balanced mind, uh, who is meticulous about research, mm. like me. Yeah, you're like. Are you hankering for some extra work? Is this? What I you're doing? want to be the approximator who judges how much of a percentage of a film is based on a true story. Captain Truth. That's a good one. You could be Captain Truth. And you could have... Uh, I was Captain before. I think a higher rank. Higher rank. Uh, Marshal. Wing Commander. Mar- well, Marshal's Field Marshal. Field Marshal Truth. Okay. And you, films could then have two ratings. You could have... This is an 18. And... Um, 
33% based on a true story. Okay. Yeah. We'll do it. Okay. Here's a message. Yeah? From Darren Rogers. What's Darren want? Subject Bill Murray. Okay. Hello, old friends. Just wanted to say thank you for recommending two films that I finally watched over the weekend. Both were, uh, were great. The Babadook built the tension really well. I loved it and thought the young boy played his part very well. And St Vincent with Bill Murray was funny and heartwarming. I thought he played his character superbly. Especially after he had the stroke. The character, not Bill Murray. So which is your favourite Bill Murray film? Stripes, Groundhog Day, Ghostbusters, Lost in Translation, Keep Watching the Films, Darren. Uh, that's a difficult one. He's been in a lot of good films, hasn't he? Um, possibly Groundhog Day. I watched Ghostbusters again. Yeah. Last year, after the original, after the remake of Ghostbusters, mm. and I thought it had dated a little bit. Oh really? Yeah. I would probably go for Groundhog Day as well. Are we missing Caddy, any? Caddyshack. No, I mean Caddyshack is not my favourite film. Uh, Lost in Translation, I thought was good, but it didn't really, it wasn't really stay with me at all. No, I think it. It rather introduced the world to Scarlett Johansson rather than, you know, and because they're both very watchable people. Um, I quite enjoyed the Cubs one with um, Bill Murray in. I'm looking at right now. Stay tuned, listeners. Keep with get with the program. Don't worry, it's not going away yet. I'm going to find it. I mean, this is hypnotic listening. A lot of people will have now turned off. <laughs> Come on, Merrick, you've got to get there soon. It, it was made at Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that one. That was good, but it's not in the same league as uh, Groundhog Day or or uh, Ghostbusters. All right, then. <laughs> Kingpin. Kingpin's good. That is a very good comedy. I think is underrated. Kingpin. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's done so many good films. Do you want to Zombieland, re- for instance? Do you want to read an an letter? Yeah. Go on then. Why not? Here we I'm go. up for that. Hello. This is Dominic Faculty. How do you say that? It's got a ch in the middle. Faculty. 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 Fat shitty. Whoa. What? Carry on. And the subject is favourite episode episode slash moment and a new recommendation. Dominic says, Hello film fandangoers. Not a listener not a listener since the start, but I've long since caught up with all the back catalogue. My favourite episode is one hundred, where you discussed your very favourite films of all time. An episode uh, most would expect to be gleeful, but it started with you both reminding listeners, old and new, that these kind of events are most often a disappointment and that they should expect a celebration of the anticlimax of the first hundred shows. Favourite moment ever, can't recall the episode, was where one of you asked where Tyrak was and the other commented that it was next to Tyran. <laughs> don't remember that. I, I, laughed at, I laughed very loudly on the bus when I heard that. I want to recommend Mommy, the 2014 
uh, Javier Dolan film, or Xavier, I don't know how he pronounces his name, which is on Netflix. The French-Canadian film focuses on the life of a widowed single mother and her son who has recently been released from some kind of hospital or youth detention centre and has severe anger and mental health problems. The film is mainly presented in 1-1 ratio, which the director did to amplify the emotions of the characters. It really worked for me and created claustrophobic view, a claustrophobic viewing experience at times. Please watch it. Thanks for all you do. Dom in Reading. P.S. I think I'm one of the lucky ones because I recommended a film to you on the 10th of December 2015 and Marit watched it and reviewed it on the Christmas episode two weeks later. So you aren't that bad. He never gave it a ratio though. A rating though. I think this should be a must but you often forget when reviewing recommendations. But he did sound like he really enjoyed A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Oh, I did enjoy it. Yeah. Eight. Eight, there you go. Thank you, Dominic. Um... Uh, it's nice being reminded of old jokes you've done, isn't it? And we should see Mommy. We'll add that to the list. I have. You've seen, seen it? seen the first half an hour of it. Right. But the, it's very odd. 1-1 one, one ratio means on your t- television screen. It's square, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So it's quite odd watching it. It's a bit like when someone films something in portrait mode on their iPhone and puts it on YouTube. So you have those black yeah, things yeah. inside. Um, I thought it was good, but the kid in it, who plays a kid with behavioural difficulties and 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 just is quite violent. He was such an asshole mm. that he put me off, and I stopped watching it because I thought, oh, actually, I can't bother to watch a film about someone who's an art an asshole. Did you start willing that a disabled kid was dead, and you didn't feel good about that? No, no. I just thought, oh, this kid. I don't really like this character, and then I I paused it, maybe. To get some food out of the oven or the, sure. the washing machine gone. One of the many things you do. And then uh, uh, some unknown events happened, which which meant I never continued to watch it. Okay. Okay. Well, I might... I'm, I'm, I'll track it down. Um, all right, then. All right, then. Have you seen a film? Yes. Oh, uh, continuing on the recommendations... Um, we are ploughing through the list. Uh, business. Business. Bidness. Bidness. It is. Well, the film is called Other People, and I'm searching f- for it and the recommendations. But by typing in other people, a lot of people have written the words other people in their in their emails. Just to frustrate you. Yeah, but I've, now I've found it. It's from Adam Taylor. I think I've watched quite a lot of Adam Taylor recommendations. Anyway, we read this out a couple of weeks ago. Dear David Marrick and Buddy the Dog, I've just watched your film Other People on Netflix. Um, it's about an aspiring writer who moves back in with his family due to his mo- mother suffering from cancer. The film is just brilliant, constantly hilarious, heartbreaking, sad often in the same scene. He really loved this film and he gave it 10 Adams. Wow. Um, this, so it's a f- film, like he says, as a writer played by Jesse Plemons who I think is a very good up-and-coming actor. You may recognise him, probably um, he's most familiar, or we mentioned it already today, from the television version of Fargo in the second series. Now, I can't recommend both of those series enough. I think they're absolutely brilliant. I started watching Fargo and I didn't enjoy it, so I stopped. So oh, I think they're I'd great, and the second one's just as good. Jesse Plemons, he looks a bit, he's a bit similar to 
Uh, oh, I know. Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman. I've got something about that. He looks like, uh, on the filming of Talented Mr. Ripley, Matt Damon and Philip Seymour Hoffman had a baby. That is very good. He's, he's in Breaking Bad as well. He's Yeah, and he's in Bridge of Spies. Uh, he is in quite a lot of films as a sort of secondary or tertiary. Is that word Sure, that's third? a word. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Is tertiary for third or is it for just other... It, it's third. A secondary or tertiary character. Well done. This is the first time I've used tertiary in normal conversation. Um, and he's excellent. He plays this... Um, uh, the young gay comedy writer uh, in this uh, film. It's obviously written, it's written directed by a bloke called Chris Kelly and I presume it's a deeply uh, autobiographical film from him. Okay. It does feel intensely personal. At times I felt as though I was reading someone's diary about, you know, them, events that happened to them in the slow death of their mother. Right. So I didn't the acting was good. Everyone's good in it. I mean, Molly Shannon, who plays the mum, is excellent. Bradley Whitford, who is in um, uh, West Wing, you recognise him from... Uh, uh, yeah, he's Josh in the West Wing. Yeah, he he's plays, also in Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, he plays the dad who's sort of hom- homophobic, he doesn't want to get, uh, meet his, his boyfriend. He's sort of one of those films, you're coming home revisiting your old life to say goodbye to your mum and living with your family again and realising the sort of problems they have and how you spend those moments is quite touching I didn't think it was I wasn't as moved as Adam was I didn't think there were scenes that really moved obviously it's always really traumatic watching a film about someone dying of Mm. cancer and I didn't really I don't think I was in the mood for it. I'll give it six Mariks. I think the acting's great, but it it felt to me as though it's a sad story. It's someone's sad, sad but sweet story of someone uh, dying. I mean, it's only a very small, low-budget film. So in those terms, it's done really, really well. I wonder what... Chris Kelly will will go on to do next if he'll do another film that he um, hasn't written. Oh, I see see what he is doing. Oh, he's doing some TV episodes. But yeah, I I thought it was a quite good film. I mean, this is a terrible review. I saw, right? I wouldn't go either. How many Marricks would you give your review? I'd give my review three Marricks. Okay. It's difficult to talk about a film with someone dying of cancer. Yeah, I I, I get that. It's, and when it's all about the sort of subtleties of the performance and the the pain of what it of going it's more, through it, it's, it's not just about the cancer. This film is about his life. And it's not about him coming to terms with being uh, going back to from New York to his old town where. It's difficult to be gay, and there's only very limited. It's quite backwards. It's still stuck right. like twenty or thirty years ago, and dealing with those old attitudes. So it's quite interesting. He is excellent in the role Jesse Clemens is. I mean, I, I think he's going to take that Philip Seymour Hoffman sort of 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 the slightly weirder character. Yeah, role. he does look a bit odd, doesn't he? he uh... I just think he's got quite a nice, he's got quite beady eyes and a little bit overweight. 
Yeah. It, there's only room ever room for one person yes. in a lot of it's not Hollywood a type, films. It's yeah, a, the Philip Seymour Hoffman sort of just yeah. gets those roles or had did that. Well, did not anymore because yeah. he's dead, isn't he? He was a he was absolutely brilliant, but I think he could fill those boots. Fill those well, yeah. No use Philip Seymour Hoffman's boots going to waste. No, a bit like um, the the bum lizard. <laughs> a bit like the bum. What? I was thinking if the bum lizards could be in a bumming man. Well, I mean, yeah, put all your ideas in it. Like, I don't know if regular listeners of, of regulars will know, but new listeners won't. Bumming Man is a film that I talk about making every three months or so. Yes. Which uh, originally we thought Bumming Man was going to be a police sort of drama, but it could be a but it could be a man on an island. It could be a monster movie. Yeah, who, who's had to deal with the bum lizards. Or imagine if he got marooned on that island and not only does he have to try and survive, there's something else on the island with him. Bum lizards. Or the bummy man's the monster on the island. <laughs> He's the monster. Yeah. So, all right. A group of people get lost on the island. It, I mean, that's one just by one, one by Cog one. Skull Island. No, then, one by one, it? they get bumped. Sure. And where are the lizards then? Well, you get you, rid of the, you've abandoned the lizards Yeah, I've got now. rid of them. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. He's just bumming man. Okay. I mean, that's a very different film. And when they get bummed, they come round to his way of thinking. Okay. And what way of thinking is that? Bad way. Oh, bad way of thinking. Okay. Oh, dear. So, ooh. He's like a, he's, it's like a zombie plague. A slightly different one, yeah. Oh, slightly different. I've not seen The Walking Dead, but I don't think that happens on it. Um, did you know, I read an essay when I, I thought this, I just repeat myself, I don't go out anymore, I just stay in and watch films and don't speak to one, so it's inevitable that I will come repeat the same things every 50 episodes or so. That's alright. I, I read an, an essay when I was reading English literature called, about, um, we were studying Dracula, and it was called Kiss Me With The Red Lips, about how... Bram Stoker wrote Dracula, I said this before, about an alle- thinly veiled allegory for homosexuality. Right. And Oscar Wilde was the sort of Dracula character because apparently Oscar Wilde had slept with his wife. Right. And so it was basically an allegory for uh, uh, that Oscar Wilde, that homosexuality was a bad thing and he was, Dracula was this sort of. Uh, it, Preying on the innocent. Yeah. Sexual predators. But I mean, he's not man, quite understood bumming, homosexuality. Bumming there. man is going to do that change for the good. He's a power for good. Oh, he's a good guy now. Well, I've decided it's bad if you make the bumming man an evil guy and he bums people. You're suggesting that's sort of going back to sort of quite antiquated ideas of homosexuality. Oh, right. I didn't. I never. I never twigged that it was about homosexuality. Well, it is the now. bumming man. It's going to be a positive. I mean, thing. it always seemed almost asexual that he was doing this at all. Well, he has no feelings. No, exactly. It. He doesn't. He will bum men or women. Well, that's very good of him. For... <laughs> it's very good of him. If you have any suggestions for bumming man, I wonder if we've lost a lot of listeners through this. Oh, last they bit. turned off ages ago. They're sick of this episode. <laughs> If you have any suggestions for the plot, one write in and then we'll read them out in two or three weeks' time when they'll have no relevance whatsoever. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. How do people write in? If you'd like to write in, go to filmfandango.com and fill out the form. Please do recommend films to us. Also, we're ongoing campaign to try and uh, get your worst films you've ever seen. So please do go to filmfandango.com and tell us 
what is the worst film you've ever seen? And, and don't bring Bowman into it. Don't. What? Well, they can't. They, they haven't seen it. No one. I know, but I don't think people will start writing negative things about it. Okay. You. I mean, you've really gone through the ringer creatively on this project, haven't well, you? I am now. Have I, you thought I, about just shelving be... it for a while and starting a new one? Because yeah, I have thought of a film. I think on. you've put too much. I have to... got an idea for a film. Another one. Okay, what is it? Well, I wrote it ages ago. It's called Time Ma Shit. Time Ma Shit. Okay. Time Ma Shit. Time Ma Shit. It's about... It's a Scot- Scottish man asking his flatmate to time him while he has a shit. No, that's probably a better one. It's that's a, a short film. It's set on a... I wanted to film a thing that was all set on one floor of an office. Yeah. And a guy um, is doing a present... I'll tell you the plot. I told it to a couple of people. So yeah. The secret's out. Yeah. The guy um, has to do a big presentation Yeah. in front of a new client. It messes up because the IT people forget to put the videos in oh no so the presentation has gone the right. videos yeah in the, and, 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 it, and it all goes to so he decides he's going to go and have um, he goes to the kitchen you know everyone has a share fridge yeah and he decides he's going to do a dump in IT's lunchbox they share one lunchbox so it says IT yeah. on it sure so he does it and he comes back and he realises only too late that IT stood for Ian Taylor, his boss. Oh, no. And he's in a dump in his boss's lunchbox. Right. He gets fired and he goes into IT and realizes just complain and say... <laughs> to say, why didn't you have... Why what? Why did you let the boss put IT on a lunchbox? No, why did you not do my film my oh, I see. presentation? Oh, that. And it turns out they've been building a time machine. So he, he goes back he in doesn't time believe them. to stop himself. He doesn't believe them. Right. And he puts this shit in the lunchbox in the time machine sends that back in time <laughs> right and that alters time right and then they're stuck in the IT department the time why machine why does he do a shit in their time machine no because it's in the box where he does oh he li- it's the same one yeah oh so he's taken it from his boss already no he had it in his hand oh okay I think it sounds good but what happens when the shit goes through time because you've basically described the first yeah, 10 minutes the first of setup. the film Basically, the time machine breaks, right? And everyone on their floor changes, and they become not like zombies, but some weird people. Where they've got, they who will kill them, right? Because they've been changed by a turd through time. Yeah, and they have to find their way to the microwave, right? Which contains the pot to fix the time machine. <laughs> okay, okay, a, a can of beans. No, just a part of the microwave. Okay, fine. it sounds good though, right? Yeah, yeah, and because it's a bit like the butterfly effect. Uh, starring Ashton well, that Kutcher. Wasn't good though. <laughs> I quite liked it. Thought it was all right. If well. you would like to fund Time of Shit or the Bumming Man, how can they do this? Well, through your own personal channels. I'm not funding you. You're not funding or, your Time of Shit funds through the Film Fandango or account. Or you can donate <laughs> or you can... to Film. You can donate towards the podcast at filmfundango.com, press the donate button, and uh, any amount that you think this is worth is gratefully appreciated. We'll be back next week. Keep watching the films. Time is shit. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.